Well, good evening. I mean, good morning. Awkward. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Good to have you with us today. Baptism Sunday. Come on, somebody. 30 people getting baptized today. That's an exciting thing. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. This morning, we are going to wrap up our series titled uh, United. And for us, it's been Vision Month. And so we didn't want to just do one sermon for our vision um, kind of expression, our vision kickoff this year. We wanted to spend a whole month and kind of spread it out. And if you can remember back to week one, we launched GT Ignite, ladies and gentlemen, our first Filipino expression service week to week. We're excited about that. And, and, and that's a win not just for our Filipino community, that's a win for us as a church, and we're excited for what God's doing there, and we are all a part of this. Week two, we talked about jumping into the vision. Now, this was an exciting week because we reflected on the fact that this is a 96-year-old church, which means we're a 96-year-old movement, which means we are actually the prayers answered 96 years ago from a community that said, Let, what if we could create a church that our children and our children's children would attend? That's us, folks. We are answering a prayer that's almost 96 years old. Last week, week three, we launched GT Esquimalt. We announced that we are going to launch a new campus here in Victoria, uh, greater region of Victoria in Esquimalt, and we're excited about that. God is moving, and of course, this morning, 30 people getting baptized. God is moving. And what we want to talk about specifically today is what does it look like for us as individuals to carry this vision out? It's one thing to, to be a part of a great church, but it's another thing when we start to realize that we are that great church. And what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me as we begin to actually tangibly walk this vision out? Um, our, our church vision, you may or may not be aware of it, but our common purpose is this. It's to help people take the next step in their spiritual journey by revealing the life-giving message of Jesus. In other words, we exist for people who are far from God. And what does this mean for me? Because if I'm here, what is my responsibility to reach people who are far from God? What is my responsibility to introduce people to Jesus? What is my responsibility as a vision carrier to reach people like, like this? This morning I want to read for you a poem, and I believe this poem kind of, uh, it kind of encapsulates the, the heart, the sentiments, the, the feeling of a person who doesn't know church. It goes like this. This I know to be true. God does not have a plan for my life. Nobody can convince me of that or convince me that there's a place for me in the church. And at the end of the day, God doesn't love people like me. I'm not going to pretend I somehow feel accepted by him. The truth is, God doesn't care and I feel rejected. For years, this has been my complaint. In fact, I cannot stress this enough. God doesn't want to hear what I have to say. My voice doesn't matter. And I cannot accept that God gives people second chances. This has been my experience. I cannot believe I have a redemption story. This I know to be true. 
And this poem really captures the heart of the very person we're trying to reach. And what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does it look like to be a vision carrier in 2019? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to turn with me to Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to hear the story of how Jesus healed the paralyzed man. And my prayer in preparing for this sermon, my prayer has been that God would capture something inside of our hearts today. So the, the story goes like this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now this morning, if you were to ask me, Adam, how could you or how would you describe a, a vision carrier? Well, I would say a vision carrier looks like one of these four men. Note that the Bible doesn't record their names. The Bible doesn't record their title. It doesn't record their status. It doesn't mention how long they've been to church, how much they've given to church, what their volunteer status is. It doesn't say anything like that. And I think there's something we can glean from that. Because you and I, or I'll speak for myself, I'm kind of driven to the title, where we as humans, we kind, of, we kind of enjoy the accolades. But to be a vision carrier is counterintuitive. You see, some people come to church carrying a notebook. A vision carrier comes to church carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. It's very different. It's very, very different. Verse 4. They couldn't bring Jesus or bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So now, now just picture this story for a moment. Here's Jesus. He's in this home. Uh, all these religious leaders, all these, all these people, these followers of Christ, were there, they were there trying to hear whatever he had to say. So the people who gathered in the room that day, they weren't in the wrong. They weren't doing anything bad. They were just there personally trying to listen to Christ, trying to glean something from him so that way they can go a little home, a little bit different than the way that they came in. See, not too much unlike us this morning, where they, they just came, they gathered, they assembled, they were there, but something very fascinating happened without them being aware of it. You see, it's possible to be so focused on Jesus for ourselves that we inadvertently create obstacles for others. You see, this, these, these people, they were, they, they were gathered. And they were there. And they were in the right place at the right time. They did nothing wrong. But there's something very different about the people who gathered there in that room to hear what Jesus had to say. And the four men who took it upon themselves to bring a paralyzed man to Jesus on a mat. So this is what those four men did, these vision carriers. It says, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, him being Jesus, and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. You see, this morning, another word for vision carriers is people carriers, Vision carriers are people carriers, and they do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. 
And there's something about that 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 creates curiosity inside of me. Something about the way they acted, the way they reacted, the way they, the decisions they made that day. For them, there was an urgency in their heart to bring this man in front of Jesus. And if I'm going to be honest this morning, sometimes I ask myself, Adam, do you even care? Have we lost the sense of urgency? This morning, we can gather and we can celebrate that 30 people have committed their hearts to Christ and were baptized in this, in this very room, in, the, in, this, in this tank. It's phenomenal. But there are thousands of people across this island who have no idea who Jesus is. Our role isn't done. We celebrate and we thank the Lord for for these victories. But at the end of the day, we as vision carriers, we as the church, there's still people out there. What happens next in this story is very interesting. Verse 5. Seeing their faith, this is talking about Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Let's just picture this moment, because none of us were alive in this era, and I just want you to know, FYI, it wasn't commonplace for paralyzed people to enter into the room mid-sermon. That didn't happen every day. So here are all these people, they're gathered together to hear Jesus teach, All of a sudden, mid-sermon, a man coming down slowly on a mat starts to emerge in the middle of the lesson. Everybody's sitting there looking at this man, thinking to themselves, what is going on? They're sitting there with bated breath, waiting. What on earth is Jesus going to say? I wonder. This is going to be interesting. Check this out. I wonder what he's going to say. I bet you he's going to do something incredible here. I don't know what he's going to say. Clearly, he's going to stop these guys. He's going to reprimand those guys. He's going to do something. These guys are ruining the sermon. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, my child, your sins are forgiven. You see, that's a powerful statement in and of itself. But if we read this quickly, we glance over one of the most powerful parts of this story. It says, seeing their faith. In other words, Jesus, mid-sermon, sees the faith of the four guys on the roof lowering this paralyzed man in front of everybody. Seeing their faith, Jesus looks at that man and says, sir, your sins are forgiven. If they're going to do that, in the middle of this, clearly, I am real. And he goes and he prays for him. Or he says to them, you're, you're going to be healed, you're, you're going to be forgiven. In other words, your faith can either help people find freedom or hinder people from it. So that day what we learned is we learned there's two types of, of Jesus followers in that room. There's the Jesus followers who did nothing wrong. They were there, focused on Jesus, intent on learning and gleaning from him. But what they failed to realize, that they were actually hindering people who needed to see Jesus in terms of coming to him because they, just, they, were, just kind of, they were just blocking off all the entrances. Meanwhile, there are four gentlemen on the roof who are lowering a man, doing everything they can to help him find freedom. And if you said to me, Adam, which person do you want to be? I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. 
Verse 6. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? <laughs> like, like, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And, and you, can, you can imagine, this would have been a very like, peculiar moment. Out of nowhere, this Jesus, this, this healing Messiah, this, this, this religious man, who he, he had a profound healing ministry, and people were being touched. There was no denying that. But all of a sudden, he has the audacity to say, no, 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 I forgive you. Who is this person? See, what we learn from this is that our understanding or, or of how we think God works can interfere with our ability to actually see God move sometimes. In their heads, right before their eyes, Jesus is doing this extraordinarily, extraordinary miracle right in front of them. And the first thing that comes to their mind is, no, 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 this is not how I understand God to work. Therefore, this is not actually happening. And sometimes... The way we understand God interferes with our ability to see him actually move. Verse 8. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Why, why, why do you ask this in your hearts? And then this is really fascinating because it doesn't say that these characters all of a sudden stood up and yelled, blasphemy, who is this man? Why are you saying that? It says, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. They didn't even have to say these words. But Jesus saw the, the doubt in their hearts. And he responds back to them and says, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for the, to, uh, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So he throws a little logic at them. It, it is to say he's kind of getting ready to, to blow their minds. He says, so I'm going to prove this to you. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. You think this is all just a show? Watch this. And Jesus looks at the man on the ground. Looks back at these people who are questioning his motives. And he says these words, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. You see, what we learn about this here, from Jesus here, is that Jesus doesn't need our permission to impact somebody's life. But what he does need is he needs people on mission to create these opportunities for impact. Because what takes place here never would have actually taken place here had the four men not brought this paralyzed person into the middle of this meeting. And had those four vision carriers not broken the mold, not done something different, not, not thought outside of the box, not rejected status quo, had they not done that, Jesus would not have had this opportunity in front of these individuals to even have this conversation. Jesus doesn't need their permission to be able to do miracles. But he does need people who are on mission to engage with him so that way we can see God work in our midst. Verse 12. The best part of this whole story. The man jumps up. He grabs his mat. 
and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. And I love how the, the author actually doesn't put in any of the words that were said. It just leaves us some liberty to just imagine how awkward and amazing this moment would have been. As Jesus right in front of everybody says, yo, you don't think I can forgive sins? Watch this. You guys just saw this man walk fall into this room? Sir, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. He jumps to his feet. Everyone, ah! That just happened? Yes, it did. And he walks out. And it says, they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Something new is taking place. And I'm so encouraged this morning because I feel like God is doing something new in our church here. I feel like we are a part of something great, something special, something beautiful. We're a part of other people's stories being told, being written right in front of our eyes. And God used the faith of these four men to influence a man. See, had these four vision carriers not listened to Jesus, do what he said, had these four vision carriers not taken a risk, had these four vision carriers not grabbed this man, got on the roof, lowered him into the room, that man's story would never have been told. He would never have experienced salvation in that moment. He may have still been there the next day lying paralyzed on the ground. But these four men took it upon themselves to make an impact in one person's life. And so they did that. But what they didn't see coming is that not only was that one man impacted, an entire room was impacted. And what they could not have foreseen is that 2,000 years later, a movement had started. And here we are in 2019 talking about this very story, talking about the faithfulness of these four vision carriers who broke the mold and did something that most people would never even dream to do in a million years. So I'll close with this. How will God use you in this next season? How will God use you? To the, to the vision carriers in the room, the, the, the mat carriers, my encouragement for you is to, to not give up. Keep being brave. Keep being bold. Keep pressing uh, the limits. Keep challenging the status quo. There are dark places in this world because Christians are too afraid to go there. Go there and bring your friends. And introduce people to Jesus. And show this world how real God can be. Now to the Matt watchers in this room, the crowd who were gathered that day, and might I add, and might I remind us all, that they did nothing wrong. They were in the right place at the right time. And my, my challenge to you, if you identify more with the crowd watcher, the Matt watcher, my challenge for you in this next season is to let God speak to you. Allow God to, to open your eyes. Ask God some very real questions. Dig a little bit. Try and get uncomfortable. Try and put yourself into somebody else's shoes. Talk to somebody you would never usually talk to. 
Say hi to somebody you usually try to avoid. Start a conversation. Whatever it is, let God speak to you this week. And to the mat users, the paralytics in the room, if you were, those who came in on a mat, maybe you were invited here, maybe you came to watch the baptisms, but you never would normally come here on a normal Sunday. Maybe, maybe this season's been hard. Quite literally, you were wheeled in here. God is a God of healing. But not just physical healing, spiritual healing. And his go-to first moment, the first words out of Jesus' lips, my child, your sins are forgiven. My challenge for you this morning is to take a little risk and ask God to turn your life around. Because maybe this is your moment. I want to read that poem again. I wrote this poem. And this poem is very real in my heart because this was me. This is me. These are my words. These are my sentiments. And I know what it feels like to grow up not knowing who God is. So let me read these words for you. This I know to be true. God doesn't have a plan for my life. Nobody can convince me that there is a place for me in the church. At the end of the day, God doesn't love people like me. I'm not going to pretend I somehow feel accepted by him. The truth is, God doesn't care and I feel rejected. For years, this has been my complaint. In fact, I cannot stress this enough. God doesn't want to hear what I have to say. My voice doesn't matter. And I cannot accept that God gives people second chances. This has been my experience. I cannot believe I have a redemption story. This I know to be true. But then I met Jesus, and Jesus turned my life around. And now I'm going to read this poem for you backwards. This I know to be true. I have a redemption story. I cannot believe this has been my experience. God gives people second chances. I cannot accept that my voice doesn't matter and God doesn't want to hear what I have to say. In fact, I cannot stress this enough. For years, this has been my complaint. God doesn't care and I feel rejected. The truth is, I somehow feel accepted by him. I'm not going to pretend God doesn't love people like me. At the end of the day, there is a place for me in the church. Nobody can convince me that God doesn't have a plan for my life. This I know to be true.
Would you stand to your feet? I'd love to pray for you this morning. God, I pray for each and every person in this room. We all represent a vast variety of different backgrounds. Some of us are mat carriers, people carriers. And Father, I pray that this next season you would give them boldness, you would give them strength beyond um, understanding, beyond measure, that Holy Spirit, you would guide them and direct their thoughts, their steps, that you would implant dreams inside their heart to take you places that they never even ever thought possible. Father, I pray for those this morning who would identify with the mat watchers those members of the crowd. God, I pray, Father, that in this moment, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. God, that you would open our eyes. Father, that we would see that you hold our very life in your hands, that you have prepared us for such a time as this. Holy Spirit, I pray that, God, the way we walked in here will be the way different than the way that we walk out. Holy Spirit, that we leave here knowing that you are God, you're on our side, you've got a plan, you've been at work, you are here, you're in our midst, you're in my heart, and you can do anything. Father, I pray for those who came in paralyzed, those who, like me, fell far from God. Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment you would speak to hearts. God, in this moment that you would call people back. Holy Spirit, in this moment I pray that you would start something the likes of which we never even thought possible before we woke up this morning. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.